0: what's up traders we are live here on the futures radio show live stream if you're watching on twitter please give us a retweet and if you're on youtube hit that like button we have an awesome guest for you guys today trader ben ben and i'm a big fan of ben's first found ben in that trader lion conference and i just thought his presentation was awesome so very excited to speak with him today we'll be chatting about what we're seeing in the markets we'll go to the charts to see what Setups. Ben is eyeing, and Ben will share his technical strategy and process for, f- for finding predictable price patterns. We'll be taking your questions live throughout the show, so be sure to drop your questions in YouTube. If you're on Twitter, be sure to go over to YouTube to send us your questions. And this will be recorded, and it will be available on all of my audio uh, live stream, not live streams, but iTunes, uh, Spotify, everywhere, all of my podcast is readily available. So if you have to drop out at some point today or you can't make it, you can go there and listen to the audio later. And before we get back on the show, I want to remind all of you about Micro Treasury Futures. You've heard me talk a lot about this lately. You've heard a lot of macro traders talk about the Micro uh, Treasury yields right now. They're live at CME Group, and if you do any macro homework at all or if you want, I think, really a leading indicator for what's happening a lot of times in the equity markets, make sure you check out these new micro treasury yield futures. The symbols are 2YY, 5YY, 10Y, and 30Y, and if you want to learn more about those products, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, otherwise known as TT, TradeStation, and Footsie Russell, the Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about Footsie Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. Ben, what's up, my friend? Hey, Anthony. Good to be here. Great to be here with you today. You know, this is Futures Radio Show. I know that you you trade a lot of stocks. I know today, even we're going to talk about some ETFs that you're eyeing. And you know, for me as a futures trader, I still trade stocks. I don't really consider myself a stock trader, but I do trade them, not to the level that you guys trade them and a lot of people that I follow for stocks. But I think that a lot of futures traders look at stocks, and I think a lot of stock traders look at futures, and we might dabble in each other's uh, playground. But that's why I go to your stuff, and it really has helped me with my longer term stuff, just seeing what it is that you do. Um, So I really appreciate you joining me here today. And the first thing I want to talk about is why stocks? Like how did you get into doing what you do? Talk to us about your style, what duration of time you hold, all that stuff. Sure. Well, it's not that I haven't
1: tried trading futures and crypto. <laughs> but uh, when kids come along, that equation, you know, kind of changes and stuff that trades, you know, around the clock 24 hours doesn't fit the lifestyle uh, like it used to. Um, but, you know, I, I started uh, back when the market was super hot, late 90s. And that was my introduction uh, to the markets. And I found for me, growth stocks, That's that's what really uh, resonated with me. Finding those uh, names that had big earnings growth and and big revenue growth and a new product or service, and I like to say something that that changed uh, the way we work, live, or play. You know, there's a there's a, a, a N factor that I learned in Can Slim, and that N is for new, and it's something that's uh, stuck with me. And finding those. Those new growth stocks that are that are really uh, growing, like I said, earnings and revenues, and that's kind of where I start. Is I build this watch list of all of those uh, stocks, uh, screen for them that are growing those revenues, growing those earnings, uh, and then I take that list, that big universe list, and start going through them for the for the technical side, uh, for my entries and
0: exits. Got it. So, CAN Slim, I've had several traders come on here and say that's the methodology that, that they use. Explain to everybody what CAN Slim even is. I'm sure some people don't even know. Sure. So, w- this comes from
1: William O'Neill and the book, How to Make Money in Stocks. And that CAN Slim is an acronym uh, C for Current Earnings, uh, Annual uh, Earnings. The new, like I said, is for a new. Uh, product or service. S we look for for sponsorship. L for leadership. Um, What am I missing? I institutions are involved. M is the market itself. We want to make sure uh, that the market is healthy and the market uh, is in an uptrend and growth stocks in particular, uh, that they're participating. And when all those things line up, uh, that's where we want to focus. We want to focus on the strongest stocks, the leadership names uh, in a healthy market and, and ride those for as long as they'll let us, you know, as long as the market and the stocks themselves stay healthy. You know, The studies show on average uh, about nine months to 18 months in that range, uh, we can look for as a position trader uh, to try to capture uh, a big trend. And, and that's, for me, uh, in the big picture that's that's what it's all about is trying to get a hold of one of these growth stocks early in their cycle when they when they're either coming out of an IPO base or a stage one you know early base and then ride that as long as it will let me.
0: Got it. so one of the things I want to talk about is narrowing it down and it sounds to me that that's this is part of that process right you said growth stocks, because the one thing that I always see when I talk with a lot of traders that that do what you do, I feel like there's just so many stocks out there, right? There's it's like for me in the futures world, I look at it and go, it's it's pretty easy for me to know which markets I'm trading. I'm either gonna I have a handful of them: gold, silver, oil, S and P, Nasdaq, Russell, you know, and I'll go into some crypto stuff and maybe some treasury yields things here or there. But for you guys, it, there's just so many. How sure. are you narrowing it down? Are you using something to? Uh, is it is it an automated system? Is it you manually doing this? How does this work? So,
1: from a fundamental perspective, I'm a big fan. I use MarketSmith. I run screens. Now, you're exactly right. We're talking about a universe of eight to nine thousand stocks, and then we've got that's to huge. narrow that down. Exactly. So, if that's your focus and you're scanning the whole market, you're you're going to be lost. So, what I do. I narrow that down. I look for the strongest earnings growth on an annual basis, the strongest revenue growth on a quarterly basis. So once I have that, that that's probably going to get me down to about three hundred, let's say. Then I'm going to take the top groups. So I like to to MarketSmith actually separates those for me into A and B categories. Okay. So that's going to give me basically the top forty percent of the groups. So then I can narrow that down even further, focus on only the strongest groups, and then within those groups, narrow it down one more time to the relative strength names. So show me the strongest growth in the strongest groups in the market, and then show me the relative strength within those. Those are going to be at the top of my watch list. and. That's that's where my focus will be. So I get down right now 140 names, which is like triple what that it, many <laughs> that's like triple what it usually is. And then and why is that, it? Is it because there's just a lot of setups right now? Correct. It's just the market's coming out of uh, you know, we had the correction, it's coming out of the correction now. Growth stocks are really participating and leading value. That's something I look at as well. And when that's the case, I see that list go from, you know, 40 names to 60 names to a hundred names. And like I said, now 140. Uh, so I still will focus on the top third of that because that's the really the, the leaders and the strongest, you know, names in the market. Uh, but but that's a huge
0: part of my, my process and how I, I narrow it down. So you narrow it down. How many names at one time are you in? Uh, and can that vary? Right? I mean, are you are you? Is it a set amount? How are you allocating the capital to all these different names? So initially,
1: when I I, we come out of a correction and the market, we have a follow through day, which we had last week. We start to come out of that correction. I'll put on two or three names, and maybe I have one or two that I've had cushion and it was able to hold. So let's say, and this is my comfort zone between like four and six names. That's, that's definitely where I'm comfortable. But as they start to make progress, I may start trimming. Maybe I'm up 10, 15, 20% in a few names. I start taking anywhere from a third to a half off. As I'm taking those off uh, and, and taking those profits, that's how I'm financing my next purchase. So then I add another one, another name or two. Next thing you know, if the market's healthy and everything's working like it's supposed to, I may have 10 or 12 names. And normally at that point, uh, I'm I'm pretty much, I'm on margin. So anything else that I add at that point is going to have to really, really look good uh, because I know that anything additional that I take, I'm going to be on margin. And my position size is usually uh, depending on the stock and, and, you know, what what kind of volume it trades daily and what the liquidity is like, I'm usually between 10 and 20% uh, on my position size. My largest position is usually initially, and I may add a little bit in increments on the way up and then selling in pieces kind of laddering out.
0: Got it. So a couple of things I have, I've been mm-hmm. taking notes because this is what's interesting to me about the stock side and versus the future side. It, it's it's different the way that I approach it than the way that you guys do. So for me, obviously with futures, it's much more short term. It's a leveraged product and I will tend to press winner. So if I have something that's really working, I'll actually allocate more to that and I'll try to hold it as long as I can. And what I'm hearing you say is that you'll even something that's working, you might trim because you like right now, you said you have hundred plus opportunities that you, that you raised capital from something that's working to then spread it out. So my question to you is, is that, is it, do you typically like to spread things out because you're uncertain? We, we never know how much something's going to go, but mm-hmm. if something's really working, you're not really adding to it. So is it uh, the same position size for pretty much every one of them? And then as they start to go, you trim, and then you get into that same one there. I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around mm-hmm. how to balance that whole stock portfolio out. Yeah. So the... The can slim method is we typically take
1: profits, either all or partial at 20% gain, but it also depends on how you get there. Because if you get there in two to three weeks, that stock is showing you it has leadership potential and has the potential to be a big winner. So you're just gonna take, for me, I take a portion of that off, but what I do is called trading around a core. So I'll still, let's say I came in at 20% and I got my 20% gain and i take half of that off and then that stock pulls back maybe it pulls back 5 or 6% but it's to an area that i've noted as support or maybe it comes in even further i may put another 5 or 10% right back on Got um, it. so i'm trading around that core position but i'm also making sure that i'm that i'm taking some off on the way up to finance those new positions that are setting up so we'll look at some examples too. it'll probably make you know more sense when we do,
0: yeah. I think when we go to the charts, we'll definitely take a look. And I think the visual side of things will help a lot of us. As I know, many traders are like me, we're very visual with things. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, everybody that's listening right now, like I said, we're going to be taking your questions throughout the show, so be sure to put them in YouTube. And I think you already answered this. This is from Mike Allen, he said, Excellent presentation, guys. Ben, what to use for scanning profiles for your growth stocks, Marketsmith, I think you said, right? Yes, for the
1: fundamental side? Yes, that's what I use for the for earnings growth, revenue growth, new product and then the groups like I was talking about. Yep, using using
0: MarketSmith. So, funny question here. Does it matter that do do you know what every uh company does for the stocks you own? <laughs> the stocks I own? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is such so a huge I know term.
1: all of them within
0: that list of 140? No. I'm making a little joke about the Mark Minervini thing and you know it's for me I don't know I'd be the first to admit if I was on TV and that happened to me we don't know the whole story I'm not going to get into it but for me I don't know what every single company does for every single stock that I trade I I don't claim to know all of this stuff I'm not a huge fundamental guy at all but I look at it and say if the chart looks good to me and as long as the stock is not maybe a penny stock or something I know nothing about if it's it's in the S&P I'm not super concerned about it. You know, I don't know if Upstart sure. was or whatever, but so for you the criteria doesn't necessarily have to be you know all the depths about these companies, right? If they're if they're reaching certain things that you see, you're not really digging in too much in, into what they do. That's correct. I mean, I
1: do like to know the story. Um I I love trading power earnings gaps, which is where earnings comes out and there's a big gap and the institutions and, and the analysts are kind of caught off guard but I do like to know what's the story there why you know why is this happening why we, yeah. why is their revenue you know growing 300% when it was growing 30 you know so I do like to to know that what that catalyst is but is it absolutely
0: necessary for what I do not really <laughs> it's yeah right it, i mean not, you no you know where your risk is, right? Right, and if exactly. it's working, to me, I look at it, especially when I look at stocks, because there's so many of them. There's no way for some of the stocks that I that I trade that I'm going to know the in depth detail of the company, and the way that I'm going to be trading them is not going to be bearing on that uh, on on what that on what they exactly do now. There are some stocks I buy that maybe don't have a great chart because I know what they do, and I like the, to own them in my longer-term portfolio. So it just depends, I think, on how you're approaching that specific trade. Right? Uh, I mean, I you know. So uh, I just, you know, I figured we we discussed that a little bit, but I I, I want to get back to the stuff that we're doing uh, here today and. I want to talk a little bit about the indicators that you use. Uh, I've watched your stuff. I know that you, even this past week, I think you referenced even like the, you know, Brian Shannon with the anchored VWAP and um, what are your indicators of choice?
1: Anchored VWAP for sure. Um, Brian Shannon has introduced me to that and uh, that's probably the one that I can't live without, you know, if I could only choose one indicator uh, that would be the one uh, because it, it's just so versatile. I can use it with gaps. I can use it month to date, week to date. I can use it on any time frame. I can uh, you know, really uh, determine who's in control the buyers or the sellers. Are, is price above anchored VWAP and is it rising? Okay, buyers are in control. If it's below, sellers. It just makes everything I do so much easier to have that visual. Uh, so that's a huge part uh, of the technical side of what I do. And thanks to to Brian Shannon, you know, last weekend we had FinTwit conference and yeah. I keep saying the highlight of that weekend was getting to sit down with Brian and just talk shop back and forth for a couple of days and, you know, pick his brain on Anchored VWAP. It was, it was definitely a highlight of the weekend.
0: Yeah, I've got to hang with Brian in person a few times. And I've said this on the show, even when Brian was on the last time. I, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I would say one of the very few indicators that I've added to my strategy, I'm a very simple guy, I use Bollinger Band, some moving averages. I've used MACD in the past a little bit, is is the Anchor VWAP. I mean, I just think exactly what you said is so important. I, I like it even more for stocks. I do like it for futures, definitely, as well. Um, but for stocks, it just gives you such a great visual of what's happening in the market. Like you said, you said this the story. What's the what's the story on the technical side? You can see it. Um let's talk let's say on the on the anchor VWAP, mm-hmm. Where is your favorite place to anchor? It? Is it a specific place or what? Yeah. My favorite is on the gap, on the
1: power earnings gap. That's that's my my absolute favorite. It, if if I could only trade one setup, that would be my go-to setup. Is give me a power earnings gap attach the anchored VWAP to that, let price kind of dance around it. Maybe it forms a triangle or a flag or some pattern that uh, shows me a consolidation there. And then it reclaims that anchored VWAP or bounces off that anchored VWAP off into new highs. That's, that's the setup that I love to trade. I'm most comfortable with. Um, and the other one that I would point to, and like I said, I have examples of all of these, is what Brian calls the pinch. The pinch. Yeah, you, you did it this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that setup too because that gives me a super early entry. The can slim guys in the crowd the, and girls, they'll, they'll know we love to see the cup with handle base. And normally, and going back, before I was introduced to Anchored VWAP, we'd buy the breakout of that cup with handle pattern. When it breaks out of the handle and into new highs, that's where we were coming in. Once I was introduced to the VWAP pinch, I realize you anchor one at the high, yank anchor one at the low. And that base that's forming is consolidating within the anchored VWAP off of the low and the anchored VWAP off of the high. So when you're pinballing back and forth, once it comes out of that pinch, you've got an early entry opportunity within the base. Uh, and that sets me up uh, for as that stock climbs the right side of that cup I'm like 20%, 30% ahead of the crowd that's buying that traditional breakout, you know, up higher. Uh so yeah, a, a super super strong weapon and and a tool that I think everybody, you know, should have in their toolbox cuz there's just so much value there.
0: It's a simple edge is the way I look at it, right? I mean Exactly. Is, do you consider the indicators your edge or is it how you're searching for these, like how is what is your edge? Let's say what that. defines my edge, what defines it? Yeah. So
1: in the big picture, my edge is defined by that fundamental side of the earnings growth, the new product EPS growth, because my whole universe of stocks that I'm trading that comes first. So if it doesn't fit that criteria, I'm not in there looking at it technically then that's where the technicals come in for where exactly am I going to get involved? Where am I going to enter? Even more importantly, where exactly am I going to get out, you know, if I'm proven wrong? Um, And, and that's another way that anchored VWAP just helps you manage that risk, you know, so tight. So I would say that's also part of my edge because a lot of times if I'm right I'm 10, 20% gain up that right side of that base rather quickly. And if I'm wrong, I'm out with a two or 3% loss really quickly. Uh, So that's a huge part of, of my edge. You, when you can uh, your winners, your risk reward ratio is three, four, five to one you bat 50%. You're in really good shape, you know, over the course of, of, of a year or so. So, Um, I would definitely say
0: that that kind of defines my edge. It's a multi-layered edge. It is. And I think this is so important. And you've developed them over different timeframes, I'm assuming, right? Obviously, because as you said, learning from from Brian at a later date, you started with something that you felt you had an edge. And that search criteria, actually, I want to go to a question that somebody put out here, because I think this fits kind of right into your edge here. Sure. Yeah, this is a good one. I like this one from SoCal Mike. He said, Ben, what minimum criteria do you use for annual annual EPS quarterly revenues? Do you look at EPS estimates for the next year or two? Kind of fits into your search, right? I absolutely do.
1: Annual EPS, I love 25 to 30% as the minimum, but the higher, the better. The, the more that earnings growing, the more that that quarterly revenue is growing, the more likely it is That I'm gonna get involved. We're just about to start basketball season too. And you know, there's the triple double in basketball. Well, in stocks, I call it the double triple. And if you're getting triple digit EPS growth, triple digit revenue growth with a new product or service, there's a very, very good chance that I'm gonna be involved. And, you know, when, and I saw the question asked about looking out even further. I am always looking out even further, usually two or three years out. You can't expect that triple digit revenue to be the norm the further out you go. But if we're still growing at 30, 40, 50% uh annually or quarterly when I'm looking out, again, something that I definitely want to be involved in.
0: One of the other questions that we're getting is I think it's a simple one because we're going to get to the charts everybody here in just a minute. I think when we get to- to the visual side of things, it's going to make a little, you know be a lot more clear to everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think I want to really understand all the basis of it before we get to the charts. And one of the questions is, I think it's a good one, right? Is it's from Rob? Are you just looking at longs? Are you simplifying it to just one side?
1: Right now, yes. Uh, when it. we are in a correction, though, if we're in a bear market, I'll flip that entirely. And when I do that, it is only technical that I'm going. Uh, to look at. I'm not really so much concerned about the fundamental side if I'm shorting, but the market has to be either in a correction, uh, the market has to be declining in a bear market. If growth stocks are breaking out and hitting new highs like we're seeing now, I- I'm not messing with the short side. I just have no reason right now to get involved you know, in that side. It also helps to narrow my focus. So I'm just focusing on the leaders, the strongest stocks, Uh, you know, on the long side. But I will, uh, you know, there have been times, especially over the last couple of years, where gross stocks definitely weren't working. The market itself wasn't healthy. uh, And when that's the case, I will shift gears. And uh, that's when I look more towards the indexes and shorting the indexes. I don't do a whole lot of shorting individual stocks, uh, but I will short the S and P or use leverage ETF. Sometimes uh, options, you know, buying puts on the Qs or or the spy.
0: I will do that. This seems like such a simple question, but I think a lot of people probably struggle with this and don't actually know what they would consider a bear market. I mean, I, you know, because I put out something not too long ago to give you a quick example. I said, look at the the NASDAQ's below the 100-day moving average. Now we're now hugging the bottom Bollinger. And I was short. Uh, I was actually shorting S&P, but I was using the NASDAQ for confirmation. Anyway, people are like, seems kind of dumb selling uh, the S&P below the 100-day moving average now, right? So it's like, I don't think we were in a bear market there, but I think it's important for someone like you who doesn't short a lot. For me, I'm short, and then I'm long the next day. Right. But what really qualifies it for you to shift that thinking and say, I'm not looking short? Yeah. For me, I need to see
1: trend and I have indicators that I look at every day and I'm looking at growth versus value. I'm looking at new highs versus new lows. I'm looking at breadth as a whole. If those things are trending lower and then I turn to the charts and see, okay, we're below the 50 day, we're below the 100, 200 day, you know, technically. And I see the trend has changed to where we're making lower highs, lower lows at that point, I'll shift gear. The other thing that always helps, if I'm, if, let's say, I've got three or four longs in a row and I'm getting stopped out rather quickly, that feedback is also telling me we're well, not in a healthy market. <laughs> you know, that's not working. The long side's not l- working. When that's the case, I've got to kind of reevaluate and look and say, okay, we're below the fifty day. I probably should be thinking short here. You know, and and the market is telling me. The longs aren't working, so it's a matter of whether am I going to listen and pay attention. And then when those other indicators line up, and I see those trending lower, do, you know, when we go from 200, 300 new highs so all of a sudden we're negative to where new lows are outnumbering the new highs, you know, those are the kind of indicators that I'll use uh, to help guide me.
0: I love how you said you respected the feedback of the market. I, I don't know why people don't look at this this as much of an indicator as they should because I know for myself I'm a shorter-term trader. I, I'm a swing trader nowadays, but even on my swing trades because I'm using futures, my positions aren't holding for, for, for too long. If I start getting stopped out of stuff regularly in the same direction, that to me is a big indicator, right? I don't need to see a lot of things. I, You know, it's an indicator whether it's I need to make an adjustment to add a confirmation of my strategy or it's an environment. But it's something that I look at and I go back and I evaluate that. Um, so I just want to point that out that I think that is such a, an important tool that we, we rely on indicators for a lot of things. But this is where experience and other things come into play to where someone like you, Ben, who's mostly long individual stocks, you're using... Multiple things to say, this is now a bear market. I am now going to look to start to short the indices. You're not just doing it because one single thing happened. You're looking at multiple things for proof.
1: Absolutely. There's a group of things that need to come together to, you know, distribution days, the traditional, again, can slim, going back to how I was taught, when you start to see. Drops 1%, one percent, uh, one and significant volume, where uh, the volume from the day before is increasing as we're dropping one or two percent in the market. You know, over a series of day, and we see groups of those what we call distribution days. That's a sign to back off. But for new traders, or if you haven't read how to make money in stocks and you're not sure what all of that I just discussed means. Go by what the market is telling you and what your positions are telling you. If your positions aren't working, if you're not making progress, you know, you've know you got to use that feedback and listen to it and let it tell you. Because I'll tell you, even a couple of weeks ago, I had a couple of test positions on as the market was coming in and they were working. And even though the market was still in a downtrend and kind of coming down, growth stocks were still working. And I was looking at my indicators and they were starting to level out and starting to make the turn. If I wasn't listening to that feedback and just looking at the major averages, I wouldn't have been involved there. Uh, but it, yep. it helped me to come in early and the feedback from my positions and say, wow, I'm, I'm actually making progress here. Maybe I'll put another test on, you know, this setup setting up the same way and looks good. So, yeah, that, that feedback is super important.
0: Last question before we have you pull up the charts. Uh, sure. Max is asking, what is a power earnings gap? So I
1: define a power earnings gap as on that earnings release, the company's going to uh, give guidance. They're going to say, we made this much, our revenues were this much, or if it's something like Facebook or Twitter, they're going to tell you their daily or active monthly uh, users. And there's a bunch of different metrics. But what what I'm really looking for, I want to see a double digit gain. I want to see that stock gap up and gain double digits. And I want to see it do it on 300% or more above the average volume. So that combination of the big price gain plus the volume is telling me that the institutions and uh the the big smart money they're kind of behind the curve on this and they need to catch up and it's catching them by by surprise. You know, they maybe they beat earnings by you know, a a big number or or 100%, or maybe their outlook is much better. So what ends up happening is those analysts, they need to go back and rework those numbers. And when they have to go revise upward, especially when it's earnings and revenues going forward, there's a good chance that that stock is going to follow it. So we're looking at the, the price gain is very important. I always like to see double digits and then the volume on that day is kind of what gives me the magnitude of how much those, those institutions and smart money are fighting over each other to get shares and get involved.
0: Thank you so much for explaining that. We're going to go to the charts next, everybody. So while Ben is getting ready to pull up his charts, I just dropped a, a link in on the YouTube chat. If you're just joining us from Twitter now, you can go to YouTube chat and see a link I just dropped for my free ebook talking about instincts versus rules. I'm actually going to talk to you a little bit about rules uh, when we get your charts up. But Ben, let's get your charts up and everybody get ready to start asking questions about what we're seeing. Ben, quick plug before we you get your charts up. What is the, what is the number one market that we're going to be focusing on today for a setup? So I'm
1: focusing on small cap growth. So this is the IWO. Russell. Uh Got it. yeah, that's what we're looking at. And I've separated, I know a lot of people like to talk about the IWM, but there are two components to IWM, the IWN, which is kind of the value side of things, and then the IWO is where I focus, and that's the growth side of the equation. So what we're looking at here is the
0: anchored VWAP here from off of the high.
1: I don't have the charts out. up
0: yet. Well well, let's just oh, let's get okay. yeah, well, we'll get your charts up here in a second. Hang tight, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna get that. No, no problem. No <laughs> problem. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated, and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange. We are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. All right, we got those charts up. You talked about IWO and that quick plug. So here's the charts. Ben, tell us what we're seeing
1: i 'm so easily excitable when it gets to these charts you know <laughs> <laughs> i 'm glad you 're talking about Russell though, because so,
0: the Russell has been in this sideways move for seven months, and yes. last year in November, because I know we 're going you 're going to talk about this, I just want to just kind of lay the landscape for something that happened last year in, in the Russell was an eighteen percent move it was I think the biggest rally in the history of the Russell. they called it November to remember. So I was actually uh, tweeting with Shy Girl the other day going, when this thing is going to unwind, you don't want to get in the way of it. And this is kind of what you're looking at today. So I'm curious to see what you're going to talk about. Yeah, this, again,
1: it's this consolidation all year. It's tough for guys like me that trade small cap growth uh, to make great progress. Like we saw in 2020, we got a little spoiled last year. But with this choppy kind of sideways action, it gets tough. But What I'm looking at, what I think we have a shot at, is we're getting back above the red line there is the year-to-date anchored VWAP. And we're getting back above there now. Let me zoom in maybe a little bit more. And you've built out this big volume shelf. You know, this volume here and point of control is that purple line back here. And what we were talking about earlier, who has control, the bulls or the bears? Well, it's been a battle, you know, pretty much all year long. Uh, for control. But now we're starting to turn back above that year-to-date anchored VWAP, which, like I said, is that red one. That blue one is coming down off of the high. And yesterday we pushed back above that too. So this is an area, maybe we finally start to see the turn here and push out. And then you've got these highs above, you know, that we'll have to see if If we do get continuation upside here and push through this volume shelf, I think we have a good shot at getting back to these highs rather quickly, Uh, especially when you see small cap growth. You know, the individual stocks, too, are participating. Uh, So, again, this anchored VWAP, this is off the uh, September low. You can see how it acted support. We got a couple undercuts, but it quickly reclaims. And that's what we were talking about earlier, the power of anchored VWAP here uh where it acts as support this kind of is the pinch we talked about and now we're coming out of the pinch now we've tried to come out of that pinch a couple times and we're rejected and came back through so we'll just have to see if it sticks this time
0: yeah max was asking if you could show us an example of that pinch and you did right there so thank you for sure. that and one of I've got a question, couple more too we'll get to a couple more but I think I want to stay with this next question that Mike sure. Yellen just put out there and This is exactly what I was going to ask. So, Mike, I I like your style here. Um, What's your methodology of setting stops? So when you see a look like this, where are you putting your stop? So I'll usually try to come in as close to this anchored
1: VWAP as possible on the breakout above, and then my stop will be just below. So in this case, I know I have point of control volume shelf here. I probably would put it right in here. A little lower then as this makes progress, I'm going to move it back up to the anchored VwaP, and as we continue to make progress, I'm going to move that up to each uh, successive low you know above. We know we have this volume shelf here too, so if we can push up into here, let's say we get back up towards that 316 level up here, I should be able to continue to move my stop at these levels as it climbs. And I'm going to show you some more specific ones, too, because the alternate entry is down here. And if you're buying off the anchored VWAP here, you could put your stop there at the low of the day. As it moves up, you move it to the anchored VWAP. As you come up into and make some progress, you move it to this low. And you're
0: just continually moving that, that stop up. First thing I, I, I want to talk about is you're moving the stops regularly. So it's not whatever your stop is to start if if it's making progress you're adjusting it. Especially with my swing trades.
1: Yes, if Got if it. I'm swing yeah, if I'm coming in on a swing, I'm much more aggressive. Now, if I'm doing a position trade and working off of let's say a weekly chart, I'm not going to be that aggressive. I'm going to do more of the traditional 5% or so stop and then I may move it up as we make progress, but that's not going to be, you know, like what we just discussed with a swing trade. It's going to be a lot slower as far as moving up my stop.
0: Because the first thing I thought about is that you're a lot more active than I thought. And if you have, you know, four to six positions, this is something that you're keeping an eye on quite frequently throughout the day because anything could happen. So even though you're holding them for, you know, you say swing trades multiple days, of course, you want to hold the trade as long as you can you're pretty active in managing them. Absolutely. I have,
1: I'm one of the few, that I'll have day trades that turn into swing trades that turn into position trades. And all of that comes from progress. If I'm making progress and it looks good uh, and it's holding the levels and I've moved my stop up, uh, yeah, I try to let it go. Now, again, when I get into that profit taking zone, like we talked about around 20%, I'm going to trim some off, but let's let's say this did move up here to 316, and I would I trim some off, and then it pulls back, and maybe I like anchored VWAP. I also use we didn't talk about it, but I also use these moving average clouds. The 1020 is a a favorite cloud of mine. You see this green here? That's a a, a simple moving average. The 10 is on top, and the 20 is right below, but it makes a cloud that fills in. When stocks pull back to that cloud, a lot of times if it's acting well, the market's acting well, and I see it come in on on decreased volume as it consolidates, that's where I mentioned I'll trade around a core and, and put some right back on.
0: I like that cloud. I think that's a great little tool. We talked a little bit about how traders are visual just to see the trend. You know, depending on your time frame, if you see it staying between two of your moving averages in that cloud and it starts getting above that, I, I think that that's uh, that's pretty cool. I actually don't use that, but I might start now. Um, I want to ask you that real quick with this question with David, because it's staying on topic of what we've got here. Uh, all this anchored VWAP volume self, shelf, et cetera, is reflected in the price. Right. Why does one need all that? The
1: main reason and and I'm big on price, too. And like Brian says, only price pays, but I share this because a lot of the newer traders will find it so much easier to have those indicators rather than just looking at price because you tend to get lost, especially let's say something is up 15, 20% in just a few days. And that's where a lot of the traders that I've talked to get lost. They don't know, should I be taking profits? How much? Should a little? If it pulls in and I'm if I take profits and I want to add back, where do I do that? Where do I add back in? So that's why I like to use the clouds. I like to use the volume shelf. And it's more to show because I'm constantly tweeting out these charts. I share them on YouTube. It's more to show those areas of where potential support, potential resistance may be. And just to make it easier to visualize those
0: areas uh, for entries and exits. I just look at it like this uh, to David asking that question. I have been doing this a long time. I understand that everyone likes to say, you know, follow the price. But I like to be proof things. And I like to sit down at my charts and have a few indicators that just show me some proof through things. And you can look at price as well. But it just keeps me from over trading, right? And it gives me confidence as well. You know, I, I think that some, seeing something sometimes actually prove to you that it's working just helps you as a trader. I, I'm a big fan of indicators. I've created my own indicator. I, I think that having that visual up there, it, it, it just, it, it really clarifies things for me. And I can look at my charts for five seconds and I can tell you exactly what's going on. And that, so for me, I couldn't imagine not having it. Sometimes I like to look at blank charts and just look at things. No doubt. But when I'm looking at something, I really like it. I, I need it as a guide. That's just my two cents as well. But I think it's a good question to ask because so much of us talk about that to ask that question. So, all right. What do you want to look at next here, Ben? Uh, let's go over to coin. Because this one. Oh, I saw this one blowing up on Twitter the other day. It was funny. I actually bought some of it. Super popular.
1: Uh, look at In this my volume. Show. Oh, great. I think you're in great shape here. Look at this volume coming in. Like I said, I use volume to judge magnitude. Uh, uh, What's the potential here? How far can this go? How far can it run? You know, having a good day today. But again, anchored VWAP off of the high there, anchored VWAP off of the low, kind of got into that that pinch, undercut a little bit, and you kind of thought, oh boy, uh, it was going to, you know, roll over. But look, it reclaimed the Anchored VWAP from off of the low, came back, retested it, and then has been just straight up since. Um, and when we see these, these uh, pocket pivots, what well, pocket pivot is highest up volume in the last 10 trading sessions. So higher than any down volume over the last 10 trading sessions. And I like to see the highest volume overall over the last 10 sessions. So you started to get that right here first, then you got another one, and then look at that four straight. Uh, big volume again today. So when I see those pocket pivots up the right side, I know that that the big money is coming in uh, and getting a, involved. And then you had this anchored VWAP. Look at how that acted as resistance here. It acted as resistance here. And then I kind of drew out this double bottom pattern. This is a traditional Again, can slim pattern, double bottom, and you had a pivot right here, and it just blasted right through it, so it went right through the anchored Vwap off of the high, right through the standard pivot uh, and the, you know the all- time highs way up here are four twenty nine so uh, would be a very, very nice run uh, if it can if it can <laughs> that, get
0: back there that'd be something to see you know I actually bought it originally on the way down because I was a big believer and it got chopped up <laughs> a little bit, and mm-hmm. what I look at is when the Bollinger Bands are open and it's holding above the 10-day moving average, I saw that that fit my criteria and it's been off my radar for a while. And this is one of the reasons why I like Twitter. And I, I just want to talk about that for a second because that's actually what got me to pull it up on my screen. Do you use Twitter the way that I just talked about? Like I bought Coin, not because people were recommending it on Twitter, but because I saw people talking about it and I'm like, eh, let me take a look. I like this stock. This goes back to one where I want to own because I think that The company's, I mean, it's already done amazing, but this one where I want to have my portfolio, but didn't work out for me earlier. And I'm like, well, it's talked about again. Do you use Twitter for stuff like that too, or no?
1: I I do. And I use it in a way, I have what I call the likes indicator. And if I post a chart like this to Twitter and nobody likes it, especially down here as it comes through, that's usually a sign to me that I need to get involved (laughs) because you see what happens. They like it up here, you know. They like it when they see this, uh, but when the stocks are correcting and when uh, we're coming through a pivot, or uh, I'm not a big fan. I, I never buy anything below the 200-day moving average, but I am a fan as a stock comes through that 200-day moving average and turns it back to the to the upside on big volume. I do like to get involved there. So, a lot of times when sentiment is very poor, and I know that the stock has the fundamentals behind it, it has the new factor behind it. Coin obviously has the, the new factor. And then we start to see the technicals lined up where you're coming out of the pinch, you're pushing through big volume coming in. Uh, when I see that, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, okay, I need, I need to make sure I get involved here and, and the group. When people were also talking about HUT, H-U-T, and Mara, M-A-R-A, S-I, these are group mates of coins. Some of them are the platform. Some of them are the, the miner, the crypto miner. Uh, but when all of them are running together and everybody's talking about the whole group, that's, that's when I definitely
0: know too, okay, I need to get involved here. A follow-up on what we're looking at here on the coin chart is Max is asking, why do you have two different VWAPs? Because one of them is declining. So this is from
1: IPO day, and this is declining. So what this helped me with is to stay out of all of this. So as this VWAP was declining and price was below it and declining, it told me, don't try to catch the knife. Then, once it makes a low, which we didn't know this was the low at the time, I didn't put this on until the stock was probably over here. Uh, But once I put that on, now we have an ascending VWAP. And that tells me this VWAP tells me who's in control from day one of the IPO. This VWAP tells me who's in control from the low. So, what I want to see is it come out of there. I want to know that all of the participants involved are in the green. You've got a much better shot at this making significant gains like we see if we know that everybody's involved is happy and the majority of holders
0: are in the green. That was such a great explanation. And I did not think about it that way when I was actually looking at this. And I think that this is such a huge confirmation to everything that you're talking about here today because you're using something to prove to you to keep you out. Then you're using something that shows that possibly trend has changed. Then you use the two of them together to tell you that this is now the new environment. I love that. That was great. That's exactly it.
1: Yeah. And you know some people like buying dips, you know, but this was telling you not yet, not yet, not yet, <laughs> you know, all the way along here because you have that declining um, you know, anchored VWAP from the IPO. Then Brian talks about this a lot too. You can't just assume that that first time it pushes through the anchored VWAP from the IPO, it's going to just go because it's still declining. So uh, the the direction of that moving average, uh, that anchored VWAP is very, very important. We do the same thing with moving averages. You know, the 200-day moving average that gets broken but is still climbing, that's not as significant as a 200-day moving average break when it's declining. So you always want to pay attention to the direction of the VWAP too. When you have one that's Acting like this and ascending, you've got a better shot at it acting as support on a retest, like we saw over here when it's ascending, versus one that's declining often acts as resistance. Now you like to see this turn back up the way we're seeing now. So if coin comes back in, there's a good chance that at some point it's going to come back. Maybe it doesn't come all the way back and test this pivot or anchored VWAP, but that does happen often as we'll see we'll look at some others and and you'll see how that happens
0: i gotta say that this is something this is why i love these interviews and doing this stuff this is something i will use i really like the way that you did this i think just the two v whips to me just identifying how you go from a downtrend from a specific anchored point to another anchor point and you didn't try to figure out what the bottom was you let it prove to you, you see multiple tests without a new low you draw that and it just is a really good visual representation of environment. If you don't use it for a trade indicator, that's fine. You know, I just look at this and say for a stock or something like this, I mentioned earlier, I love to use these for stocks. I really like that. I will be using that. Thanks for sharing that, Ben. What well, do you want to look at next? Yeah, it it keeps you out of trouble. Totally. So,
1: let's look at one like I was talking about earlier. Let's look at Dutch Brothers. This one, a little bit newer. It's a It's an IPO, but it's the same process. You have anchored VWAP from the IPO. You have anchored VWAP from the high. It was kind of pinballing in between there. You had a little wick here that was kind of hinting to you. Oh, it's maybe ready to go, but not quite yet. A little inside day here. Inside day means you had a lower high and a higher low than the previous day. I'm a big fan of those when they happen below a noted resistance level. And then look what happened when it came out of that pinch, straight up. Now, most of the traditional canceling buyers are going to be buying up here where it comes out of the IPO base above 62. That's your traditional pivot up here. But using the anchored VWAP and coming out of that pinch, it gave me an entry down here. Once it came out of that pinch, I was able to put my stop right here at anchored VWAP and up it went.
0: So. Quick question on this one, though. How did this fit into your initial scan with the growth stocks? Because it's a newer stock,
1: so they had the revenue growth. They had with IPOs. You've got to be a little bit more flexible on the EPS side of things. Got but it. Actually, Dutch Brothers is is not in that. Case. It's good. I mean, we're we're golden here with Dutch Brothers. They're growing. They're like a a mini Starbucks, if you want to think of them um, in those terms. Uh, but yeah, you've got to give some leeway if you're going to trade IPOs uh, with the EPS side because a lot of the them are in that growth stage. So you really want to focus on revenues. You really want to see that growth in revenues. You got triple digit revenues there, so in good shape.
0: Got it. Okay, what are we thinking next here? All right,
1: I'm going to show you. We're going to do a dog.
0: yeah. We'll get, we we got probably got time for about two or three more. You got it. So we talked earlier
1: about power earnings gaps. And they said, what's a power earnings gap? Well, this is what a power earnings gap looks like. See this big volume candle here? This is your power earnings gap. Here's your gap. And again, anchored VWAP is that blue line that I've attached to it. Now, there's a few levels that are important. The power earnings gap high is important and the anchored VWAP and the low. When you take out the low, like you saw here, the expectation is always that you're going to fill this gap. You hear it all the time. Oh, it's going to fill the gap. Well, when it doesn't fill the gap and reclaims that anchored VWAP, you want to pay attention because it didn't fill the gap. That means the buyers are aggressive. And look at how that anchored VWAP acted as support here several times. Price kind of waited on that 1020 cloud, and then you had a nice run. Now, even when the market pulled back and we had some market weakness over the last few weeks, it came right back to VWAP, tested that anchored VWAP and the high. You had a volume shelf that built out over here, tested that level. As soon as the market was healthy again, right back up it
0: went. Another one that I really like uh, visual, and I think that this question was already asked, right? Like, why would you want an indicator and you could see it in price? Well, because... You can see something from a specific time talking about that power gap earnings. It's proving to you, not just in price, but through this indicator that gives you a visual representation of, of something that's working. It's easier to put your stop in places leaning on something like that. You could say, look, it keeps hitting it and holding it. You know, it just, I think it just helps you in execution, right? I mean, I know for me, for sure, but in general, for people that just try to follow price and using indicators, I mean, it's a great area, like you said, in in the past. You you could be relatively tight with your stop um, if something's working like that. I like this look, too. Thank you for showing us this one. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, We have time to look at another one? Yeah, let's do another one.
1: Let's look at Matterport. And this is one that hasn't gone yet, so I'm going to put it on your your radar, this is another one of those pinches we talked about. You have a swing low that I anchored to here because I know it's finding support there. Found support here, found support here. This one, a little lowers from the IPO. You can zoom out a little bit. You can see this. It's a big, basically a big cup with handle pattern. And what I'm focused on is I want it to come out of that handle because you're in the pinch anchored VWAP from off of the high here. The anchored VWAP here from off of the low, inside day today. Remember I was mentioning how I like those inside days that form below a resistance level. You've got the volume shelf kind of forming right there. So what do you think happens when this inside day comes out to the upside, this little consolidation? We come out to the upside. We take out anchored VWAP from off of the high. We turn it back up, and then you can target these highs up here. Early entry up the right side. Now, obviously, I'd like to see volume come in. You know, there's some other things to look for, but price first. Price comes through there. Uh, I'm definitely going to get involved. Actually, I'm already involved. I'm looking to add more when that comes out of there. And you see how, again, it couldn't break through here, but it was still kind of declining. It tried, you know, and couldn't, couldn't push through. So now we look for this to flatten out and maybe on that next test it gets through and turns it back to the upside.
0: I love how clean the charts are, but there's a lot of substance here, you know, and where you're anchoring them, I think is, is extremely important for me to learn from you. And, you know, obviously I've learned this from Brian as well. And I think a lot of the traders listening today, it's not just about the indicators, everybody. If you're developing a strategy, like I'm, I'm looking at the way that, uh, you know, Ben does this. Obviously I looked at the way that Brian does it. I see a lot of similarities. I've learned some new things from Ben. It's how you visualize the market. And when I look at some of these, some may resonate with you, some may not. But the point is when you take an indicator, I think, and Ben, talked to me a little bit about this before I let you go today, is it's not just about the indicator. It's about how you're applying that indicator to get the most uh, out of something like the anchored VWAP, the clouds, things like that. You're not just relying on them. You're putting things together to develop that story. And I think that's such an important piece of a trader getting better and developing a strategy.
1: That's exactly it. I'm, I've am i got a and to new traders, this might look like a lot at first, but I promise you, as you see it more and more, that's not the case. But yeah, it's, it's painting a picture for me. I know I have a volume shelf right here. I know I have 1020 cloud right there. I know I have an anchored VWAP. All of that is potential resistance above. So if I was to remove all that and I'm just looking at price, okay, this was a nice candle here and I'm inside here, that tells me I'm cons- I've am i got a consolidation, right? If I was to take this and go to a 30-minute chart, this would be a little triangle on the 30-minute chart consolidation that I'm looking at. I don't need to go to the 30-minute chart to see that. I can see it right here with price. So I know that when price comes out and tells me it's ready, I've got a good chance to reclaim this volume shelf Reclaim this anchored VWAP. Reclaim the moving average. Guess who's in control up here? The buyers. The buyers are in control up here. And that's basically what this is telling me and what I'm looking for. Now, when we get that push through, I can tighten up my stop. I've got my stop right here now. But once we push through here, this is resistance. We expect this area would become support and then I can move my stop up.
0: VWAP Nation said it. Beautifully. Take an indicator and make it your own. I mean, that's, (laughs) I I love that. And you showed me a lot today, Ben. I know I learned a lot. There's definitely going to be some things that I'm going to be adding to my charts. uh, Thanks to you today. A lot of people have asked in the chat where they could follow you. Give us your Twitter handle, website, YouTube channel, everything. You got it. So uh, at Pattern Profits is where I'm at on Twitter.
1: I've got a blog, patternprofits.net. I share... A lot of those scans that I mentioned earlier, the growth scans, they're on the blog, uh, YouTube channel. I'm, every week, I put out a kind of weekly watch list and an update on what I'm watching. Uh, and I just started; it's only a month old. I started a newsletter again, just kind of tying everything that I do uh, into one. Because a lot of people that have family, that have jobs, full time, say, "I can't. I don't have time to scan for the growth and scan for." Okay, I have time. I put it together for you and. I'm constantly sharing it on the blog, on
0: Twitter, on YouTube, and now added it in the newsletter. Well, I look at myself. I do this full time. And because I am not a stock trader, I'm primarily a futures and crypto trader, even more crypto, more and more. We didn't even talk about that today. But right. I like going to your stuff, Brian's stuff, many of my other guests, because that's the you guys are doing all this homework and you're giving it to me in just a short period of time. I watched your video this weekend uh, and it just helps me. For when I'm going to trade my stocks, you know, cut through and it, it's already there in front of me. I make my own decisions, but I'm seeing the landscape uh, and I understand your style. And It was great to get you to know your style, get to know you uh, more today. Like I said, I learned a ton and I thank you so much for joining us, answering everybody's questions. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me today, it's, Ben. It was a pleasure, Anthony. Really, really enjoyed it. And shout out to all of you guys joining us here today. Thank you so much for joining into these live streams. Remember, all of these shows are going to be recorded. You can watch them on YouTube and all the audio will be available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere, uh, including my website, anthonycredelli.com. Thank you again, everybody, for joining uh, me for the live stream this week. I'll see you next Wednesday. Cheers, everybody. See you, Bri. Or Ben. Brian's the (laughs) good Shannon. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, Please leave a five star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to AnthonyCrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also, on AnthonyCrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Futures Radio Show is produced by Crudelli Productions.